Morning. You doing all right? Yeah? It's nice and warm outside. It's good yard work weather. No? Okay, maybe not. I got a picture from my mom this morning. She had about eight and a half inches of snow at her house overnight. Um, and then my sister sent a text message of, uh, she lives up in, uh, in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, of the four or five, six inches of snow that they had at their house. And Christy's sister gets a text message of the snow they have at their house. And she gets one from her mom about the snow that she has in her house, at her house and all the thing. And I'm thinking, I'm glad we don't have snow. <laughs> I like snowball fights. I like making snowmen, but... Man, I'm glad we don't have snow. <laughs> Although I don't like it when it's really, really cold and rainy. If it's going to be this cold, it might as well snow, right? Right, right. Everybody's like, yeah, if it's going to be this cold or what? Anyway, might as well snow. Genesis chapter 12 is where we're going to be this morning. We're going to be looking at the life of Abram. Then we're going to start a little bit uh, in, in, with, with Abram and kind of see some things that God's doing for through Abram as we continue to trace the line of Christ all the way from the beginning and from creation. And um, I brought up here with me this morning, this is a book that we, we do with our kids every year um, and during the Advent, the 24 days leading up to Christmas. It's uh, by Ann Voskamp. This is called Unwrapping the Greatest Gift. And, and basically it, it highlights from from creation all the way to the life of Christ and hits several Old Testament uh, narratives into some of the New Testament promise of what, what Jesus had. And, and I love that this past week, um, this same passage out of Genesis chapter 12, is, it, it was highlighted. And it was starting this narrative of Abram. And, and one of the cool things about doing it with the kids, th this really, truth be known, um, our kids are a little young for, for this book, but we're starting the tradition. We started it about three years ago with them. Um, at the end of each day, each reading, there's an ornament that corresponds with one of these pictures on the front. I'll show you if you can see a, a bigger picture. So like that was uh, a couple of camels at the tent. This is uh, how, we, how we get to Abram. And there's an ornament that we hang on the tree, but at the end of each day, it asks a couple of questions. Um, this particular day, the thought to discuss was this season, start a list of all the ways you are blessed. Add new blessings each day and thank God for them. This is all coming out of the, the life of Abram. And as we're going to see in uh, Genesis chapter 12, God's promise to bless. But then it has a couple of family activities. One of them, as a family, go to a neighbor's home. Be a blessing in some way by bringing cookies, a card, or your smile. Or look for the stars tonight. Thank God for his promise to bless Abram and his promise to bless you. See, see we wrapped up a couple of weeks ago the, the story of Noah and, and the great flood and how the wickedness of man just continually perpetuated itself all over the planet and how God had to say, you know, I'm, I'm sorry I even made these people, but there's Noah who walks with me, so I'm going to use him and his sons and we're going to, we're going to start this thing over. And there's the flood and there's the destruction, but as we saw, the water of the flood did not wash away the evil in man's heart. That still comes out because we are still living under the curse of Adam even today there is still wickedness that pervades our world that perpetuates itself time and time again and and this story for Abram picks up I love the way that she describes it it says after the flood dried up God's tears still had not because the world still 
aches. Anybody feel the ache of the world today? So God said, I will do a new thing and I will do it through a new child. I will begin the new thing through new children and new descendants and new families and a new king with a new kingdom. So God, God who always keeps coming to us, whose love never ever, no matter whatever stops coming for us, God came to a man named Abram. And that's setting up such a beautiful picture of what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. And we find this in Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, just the first four verses this morning. It says, the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives, from your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make you, Abram, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great. So you shall be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you. And to the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, Abram, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken to him. And Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the beauty of your word. Lord, we thank you for the beauty of this season Lord, it's, uh, we, we sing about white Christmases and being home for Christmas. And really what we're longing for is just that connection with people. We're longing for that, that love of a family member. We're longing for that, that enveloping embrace. But Lord, we need to look no further than you at this time of year because you sent your son to be all that we would ever hope, all that we would ever long for. You sent Jesus to be that. And even more, you sent Jesus to be our savior, to rescue us from this hurt, to rescue us from this broken world. So we ask, Father, that as we start seeing some whispers of the promise that you made to rescue us, that your word would teach our hearts and instruct us that as we go from here, we would lift our eyes with jubilation, that we would lift our, our, our voices with such glee that because of, out of the wellspring of our heart, there is such joy for what you have done for us. And we ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. This passage of scripture is a little quick, it's a little short, but it kind of picks up where we left off last week with the line of Terah. It says over in the book of Genesis chapter 11, it says, these are the records of the generations of Terah. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran became the father of Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his childbirth in Ur of the Chaldeans. Abram and Nahor took wives for themselves. The name of Abraham's wife was Sarah, and the, wife, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and, uh, and Iscah. Sarah was barren and had no child. So Terah took Abraham, Abram his son, and Lot the son of his, of his son Haran, and Sarah the daughter-in-law, the, his son Abram's wife, and they went together from Ur the Chaldeans in order to enter the land of Canaan. They went as far as Haran and settled there. The days of Terah, Terah were 235 years, and Terah died in Haran. 
God takes Abram here and he's picking up this line of thought and he places them back in the the gathering of family, kind of moving back to the family land. Now you see that Abram had a brother named Haran that passed away, but he also had a grandfather named Haran. So basically his dad Terah is taking him back to his dad's land, back to the family land, back to the homestead where there would be people around that would love them, that would care for them, that would support them in this time of sojourning, this time of comfort. And it is there when God interjects himself into the story, where God himself comes into and, and, and comes into Abram's life to change the trajectory. This is only the third time now that God has interacted in such a way with people as to call them into something different. It started with Adam. It started with Adam. He said, Adam, I've made you. I've created you. This is the garden where I am placing you to live. Subdue it. Cultivate it. Eat of anything you want except for that one tree right there. Don't eat from that tree. Everything else is yours. But Adam failed him. But he still came back to Adam. And the first question in the entire Old Testament is, where are you? Where are you, Adam? I'm here to walk with you. It's kind of cool. The, the first question of the, of, the, of the Old Testament is, where are you? The first question of the New Testament is, where is he? In the book of Matthew, where the, the, the magi from the east, the kings from the east, they come. And the first question that's in the, recorded in the New Testament is, where is he? Where's the one that was promised to be born? We're looking for him. God, who's asking Adam, where are you? Sent some kings to find the one that was sent to rescue us all. But God still came. And then God shows up again to Noah and says, Noah, I've got to do something different. I, you are the one that I am going to use to, to recreate, to repopulate this world. And it was still broken. So now he comes and he comes to Abram and he says, Abram, we're going to do something different. And I need you to do this. I'm coming to you, Abram. I am calling you. And so the way this story plays out is kind of in four little segments here in these four verses. We see first that Abram call, God calls Abram to a new land. He says there in verse 12, chapter 12, verse 1, Go forth from your country, from your relatives, from your father's house, to a land which I will show you. You want to talk about a step of faith in the life of Abram. God didn't tell him where they were going. God didn't tell them Tell Abram, hey, when, we, when you leave this place, we're going to go this far and I'm going to settle you here. He said, I will show you when we get there that this is the place where I am taking you. Look, look at the comforts around Abram. He says, leave this place, leave your family, leave your relatives, leave everything that you have for support, leave everything that you have for financial gain, leave everything you have as far as relationships with one another. We all need relationships. We all need people to talk to. We all need people to lean on. He says, leave all that behind. Jump on the back of your camel and just ride until I tell you to stop. No GPS. Didn't look it up on Google Maps to see if the road's going to be blocked on the way down through there. None of that. Just blindly follow me to the place that I am going to show you. 
But it's very appropriate here that we stop and look at the words that God uses where he says, go from your country, from your land, the place where you live, to a new land, a land that I will show you. The promise of God for Israel was bound up in a land, in a place, a possession, an area that would be their own inheritance. It was bound to the promise that God was going to provide for them somewhere to live. These are nomadic sheep herders. They kind of have a territory, but they kind of got to follow the flocks because, you know, it's, it's not, man, you, you get over here and you drive down uh, Tommy Lee Cook or you come down uh, Roscoe Road 70 back over here. Man, you see some nice pasture land out through there. Man, you can see some, some horses and some cattle. Man, they're grazing these plush fields and it's not, that's not where Abram's growing up with his sheep. It's kind of rocky, it's kind of sandy, and like sheep, I, I, I picture things in my mind kind of in cartoon world sometimes. I'm picturing a couple of sheep that are like fighting with each other over that one piece of grass that's sticking up out of there because it's barren. It's not, as, it's not these fertile fields that we see and get so accustomed to around here. My dad for years worked uh, developing pasture land for cutting hay and for, for grazing cattle. So I'm used to looking out and seeing acres and acres of just green grass as far as the eye could see. no. I want you to take all that you have and I'm not even going to tell you if there is a land where your cattle, where your sheep will survive and I want you to go. Abram is called to a new land. But make no mistake that God's God's call, what God is asking him is to live in a new place. The God who calls you to a place is going to sustain you to live in that place. And he says here, I will show you this land. But in verse two, he says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. So you will be a blessing. God promises to bless and to protect Abram. He goes on to say, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse the ones that curse you. You you want to walk in security. It's walking with the Lord God. Abram's looking there. He's looking at his options. You know, my, my father brought me to this new place. This is where we were. We, we were living and heard the Chaldeans and, and it was good. My brother passed away and, and we've got to find something else for the family homestead. So, so dad's saying we need to go back to grandpa's land. So let's just kind of pack up the wagon train and we're going to start moving back down to Haran and we're going to get there and we're going to have all the pasture land of the family. It's going to be a place where we can live. I trust my father and we're going to go together. And God calls him to a new place, but God didn't call him without promising him his own presence. And look at this. I I will make you a great nation, Abram. That sounds pretty good. Yeah. Now now imagine you're sitting there and you're watching this afternoon. You're watching the Falcons game on your TV this afternoon. And you're feeling bad for them because it's like two degrees in Green Bay where they're playing this afternoon. And you're like, man, y'all guys, you guys look miserable out there. You're sitting there minding your own business. You got yourself a, a nice cup of coffee or hot chocolate. And you're sitting there and you're watching the Falcons game. And you're just thinking, all right, this is great. And all of a sudden God comes to you and says, hey, I need you. I'm calling you to do something different. Le- leave the comfort of your recliner. 
leave the comfort of your heated home and I want you to journey with me right now and I want to take you to a new place and when I get you there man I'm going to make you a great nation now if you're like me you think man a great nation that's great I'm not going to have to pay taxes anymore I'm going to do something about the roads you know you're you're like mapping out all these great things yeah this is good I'm going to be a great nation and God goes on he says now I'm going to make you a great nation I'm going to bless you like oh yeah okay blessing great nation blessing this is starting to sound pretty good right man I'm 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 really kind of getting in on this thing God's asking me to do something different and and I'm going to do that and it's going to be great because he's going to bless me because naturally as Westerners in the 21st century, we start thinking of how God's going to bless us. And we've got two Rolls Royce and a Benz in the driveway. And uh, we've got, we've got, man, we've got a push button where Domino's gets delivered right there immediately. Like we don't have to call. We just push the button and there it is. Um, Man, oh, we've got, we've got... That right there is like one-fourth of the size of the TV in our living room. You know, we, man, we, we're 21st century Western Americans here. We know what we're going to do for God's blessings. Is, man, I, I tell you, we're going to make Donald Trump look like a pauper because God's going to be blessing us, right? That's how we're, we're going to be a great nation, kings of the world, and we're going to have all the best everything because God's going to bless us. But that's not what God's doing. Look at what he says. I'm going to make your name great. Oh, there we go. Everybody's going to hear about me. Everybody's going to hear about how God blessed me and my house and my kingdom and this thing that I'm building. This is going to be great. Because people are going to come from all over the world to see me. That's kind of how we're prone to think of things, isn't it? We start looking and we start saying, okay, God, where's this blessing from God going to come from? And all the blessing goes to, to, to financial and physical prosperity. It goes all the way to what we're going to amass for ourselves and what we're going to have for us because, yeah, God's going to bless us. But we forget that God called Abram to a strange place. God called Abram to an undisclosed location. And the only thing that Abraham had to go on was this faith that God says, I'm going to bless you, but I'm also going to protect you because anyone that comes against you, anyone that curses you, I will curse. I will raise my hand against, period. Now, as a daddy, I get that. I I, I get that. Sometimes it's all I can do to sit with my kids at a playground or, or at Chick-fil-A playground or something and watch them play and look at this other kid kind of acting like a jerk towards one of my kids and not like hang them from a belt loop off of something and just give them a good talking to, right? We had a memorial service in here yesterday and one of the guys that spoke, man, I think he was talking directly to me. I think he knows I have kids because I was sitting in a chair right about here and he turned around and for like three minutes, he talked about how you need to spank your kids. You need to make sure you spare, spare the rod, spoil the child. But he was looking at me the whole time. He wasn't talking. He was, he was turned looking like this. Like I'm just going, you've been watching my kids, haven't you? See, see as a parent, you see someone hurt your child. It takes all of the patience and peace of the gospel of Jesus Christ to keep from raising up and, and, and elbowing them in the throat. 
And it doesn't matter if they're four years old. Their mom is not going to teach them the lesson. You're going to teach them the lesson. It's all it takes. And, and God, who made us in his images, look at this. You, you want to trust me? When you step out, you are trusting me. You are following me. So if you're going to do this, Abraham, you've got to know I've got your back. I'm going to bless you, but I'm going to protect you. Those that come up against you, I will curse them. Is there anything more fearful than being cursed by God? But the purpose of all this was not for Abram. Yes, there is a direct promise. I will bless you. I will make your name great. But I want you to notice what the attendant circumstance was. I want you to see with me where God's going all this. Because it's not to give uh, Abram the biggest tent with the most fat camels that could get anywhere. This is for Abram to see the bigger picture of what God is doing in the world. He says, and in you, verse 3, all the families of the earth will be blessed. God promises to bless all nations through Abram. It's not about Abram anymore. It's about God's desire to demonstrate a love so great, a love so kind, a love so compassionate, so that whether you are a great-great-grandchild physically of Abram or spiritually through the gospel of Jesus Christ, you can see the blessing of God. God's whispering his promise. I love you. I want you to be my child again. And Abram, if you respond with faith and trust me and follow me and do as I've asked you to do, the world will see my love. God promises to bless all nations through Abram. See, at this point, Abram is really no different than you and me. He is a man that has been intersected by Almighty God and has been given what Henry Blackaby would, would call a crisis of belief. A moment where he has to ask himself, do I take God at his word and believe him for what he says he will do? Or do I think that the comforts around me are going to be enough to sustain me and I'll just stay here? Fortunately, what we find here is that Abram obeys God. Look with me, if you will, verse four. So Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken to him. Abram obeys God. I have no doubt in my mind that in real time, Abram is sitting there with the anxiety of welling up within his heart, within his spirit. I have no doubt in his mind that he is looking over there across the way to Sarah, his wife, and thinking, okay, is she going to think I'm nuts when we leave this place? I know ladies today don't think their husband are nuts when they suggest something a little bit odd, but... In those days, they did, right? Come on, ladies. You think your husband's nuts whether they suggest something odd or not. Is she gonna, what is she gonna think? What am I gonna tell my dad? Dad, you brought me back here and you've given me a great life and you've given me a place where I can thrive and where my flocks will be taken care of. But, but, but I've got to leave you, Dad. Oh, 
what's going to happen if there's not water for my flocks? There's not a place for them to grow. How am I going to manage? Because if we don't have flocks, we don't have food. If, how are we going to do all this? And, and I can see Abram right there. See, see, the way the, the passage reads, it's very linear. And so we see, okay, God says this, then Abram goes, okay, let's go. And maybe that's the way, because maybe Abram's such a better man than I am that he's like, okay, God said, let's just do this right now. Or maybe Abram's just like us and he took a moment to think, okay, what is the cost of obedience here? But Abram obeys God. Abram obeys. Says there in the passage of scripture, Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken to him. That leads me to believe that it was very much a direct, this is what God's called me to do. Sarah, I can't answer the questions that are weighing and playing on your mind. They're weighing and playing on mine as well, but we've got to go because God said so. Let's do this. Oh, the boldness and the courage of such audacious obedience. And we marvel at Abram in Genesis chapter 15 who has said that he trusted God and it was counted to him as righteousness. We marvel at the fact that later the author of Hebrews talks of Abraham who had such a great faith. So what do we do? How, how does this connect to my heart? How does this connect to me right now in 2018, where I sit as we get ready for Christmas, as we've got a battle getting home in the cold, wet? How does all this play out? First, we see that Abram's obedience points me to Bethlehem. The obedience of Abraham, of Abram, points me directly to Bethlehem. Because it says there in this passage of scripture, in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. God had selected Abram and through Abram's line would come the king named, the king named Joseph, who was prince over all there in Egypt. And through him would also come the king named David, to whom it was promised you will have a forever king on a forever throne. Through the line of David, we get to a man named Joseph who had to go to Bethlehem to re respond to a census being taken and there was the Savior born. It points me to the obedience of a man named Joseph who was told in a vision by an angel named Gabriel, this child that, you're, that Mary's about to have, don't put her away, don't be worried about it. This is God's child, this is a God thing. Men, that's a tough one, right? You love this woman with all your heart, but you find out she's pregnant and you know you weren't involved. And now you've got this shining warrior of light standing in your bedroom saying, no, 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 it's a God thing. Don't put her away. Keep her, raise this child, be a father on this earth to him because this is the one that God had promised. It all points and here Joseph responds just as his great, great grandpappy Abram does. I will follow God where he has led. Abram's obedience points me to Bethlehem. It is through the obedience of Abram, through his response of obeying the voice of God that we get to the point where all nations can be blessed through him. 
And so in that we see that obedience is the first step to receiving God's blessing. Obedience is the first step in receiving God's blessing. I have yet to meet anyone that didn't want to be blessed by God. I've met a couple of people that kind of in their obstinance tried to say, well, I'm too good for God. But ultimately when you press them a little bit, they, they want to be blessed by God. You remember the old uh, ECPI commercials with Sally Struthers? Do you want a better career? Do you want to make more money? Sure, we all do. That's how every single one of them would, would, would introduce themselves. Do you want to know God? Do you want to be blessed by God? Sure, we all do. The issue is not whether or not we want to be blessed with God. And I don't believe that the issue is that we misunderstand the blessings of God. I think the issue is that the majority of time we don't want to be obedient to God and therefore we're not blessed by God. And so we rail at God because he has not given what we thought he said he was going to give us. It's kind of like trying to get a paycheck without having a job. I have no way that I can go over here to Walmart and say, look, 40 hours this week, you should pay me for that. Well, do you work here? No. But you should pay me for 40 hours of work. Did you do 40 hours of work? Yeah, not here. Well, what does your 40 hours of work have to do with Walmart? You guys pay people for 40 hours of work. I'm a people. I did 40 hours of work. I want the money for it. You know what's going to happen? I'm going to be greeted by a guy sitting with a vest at the door who's going to take me to another guy, probably wearing a black uniform with this little shiny gold thing on it. And I'm going to be taken to the nearest hospital for a psych evaluation. And, and probably what's going to happen is they're going to take me to that back room of the emergency. You might not know this exists in the emergency room, but there's a padded room there. It's, it's complete. It's, solid. it's like going to like a trampoline park without the trampolines. You can bounce all over the place if you want to. And they're going to give me a moment to chill out because it is absurd to insist that you get something without having everything that goes along with it, Right? It's absurd that we should say, God will bless me even though I live apart from what God has called me to be and who, what God has called me to do. I, have, I hear this all the time. I, I'm, I'm a pastor. I'm not talking about anybody here, just so you know, so don't go home and like jump on you know, email or phone. But he was talking about that. I'm not talking about anybody here. I've sat down with people and I hear them talk about frustration in their life and how God hasn't given them this and God hasn't given them that and God's not doing this in their life. And so I just like, well, what's going on? I can tell you specifically about a, about, about a man in South Carolina when I was pastoring in South Carolina. He, he, he really was concerned that God was not blessing him. And so I started asking some details about his life. Daily daily viewing pornography, admitted to me to using illegal drugs, admitted to me of refusing to report income to the court so that he wouldn't have to pay child support and, and, and to, to the two kids that his ex has, she's raising. And so 
I sat down with him and I just started talking about, you know, I didn't call him out for any of that. I just started talking about, about holiness and righteousness and, and, and who God's called us to be. And these were his words to me. Well, that has nothing to do with why God should bless me. It has nothing to do with why God should bless you. Well, what do you mean by that? Why do you think that living apart as though God doesn't exist everywhere else in your life, why does that have nothing to do with whether or not God should bless you? And his words to me, I will never forget them. Never forget them. Because if God loves me, he would give me that stuff anyway. Friend, let me tell you right now, God does love you. I don't know what your struggle is. I don't know what your hurt is. I don't know, I don't know where, where, where the pain lies. I don't know where the burden is, where the bridge is. God does love you. And so just like to Abram, he comes to you and offers you something beautiful. For Abram, it was an opportunity to be the man that God would use to bless the entire world. And it had to be Abram. It had to be at that time. It was, it was from the beginning that God said, this is how it's going to play out. But just like Abram, he comes to you and he says, this is my son. This is my holiness. This is my righteousness. This is all that I can ever, ever offer you. I want to bless you. I want to protect you. I want you to be mine, but we have to step in obedience. For Abraham, it was leaving everything behind. For Abraham, it was leaving his family. It was leaving the land that he was comfortable with and blindly going to a place that he didn't know. It might not be so drastic for you. It might be that you've got to give up some friendships. It might be that you've got to give up some investments. It might be that you've got to give up so, uh, something else that's going on, some sin in your life. But it, it definitely involves that you've got to give up sin in your life. but God is trying to take you to a place where you are not already so that he can give you something you don't already have. But we wrap all that up in a beautiful Christmas package. We wrap it all up in a beautiful Christmas passage, package and have to understand that Jesus Christ is God's promise to bless Jesus Christ is God's promise to bless me, to bless you. And sometimes God in his grace and God in his providence gives financial and physical and social and, and blessings, but it all comes back to what he has offered in Christ Jesus. The whole nature of what he's calling Abram to do is not just about, hey, come and move to this new place, but about what God was seeking to do and offering a spiritual blessing to Abram, to drawing him closer to him, to seeing Abram step out in obedience to God, you will not be blessed without obedience, but you're only obedient if it's through the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Everything God wanted to say, he said it right there. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Everything that God wanted to demonstrate about his love, his mercy, his grace was demonstrated when his son went to the cross and spread his arms and said, this is my blood of the covenant that is shed for you. You want to be blessed this Christmas. You want God's blessing on your life? Come through Christ. Submit it all to 
Christ. Maybe today you've never trusted Christ. You've never received him. You've heard about him. You know the Christmas story. You can tell me all about the wise men and what they brought that day. But the reason why they brought it and who this child was to whom they were giving the gifts has completely evaded, has completely missed your heart. God blesses through his son, Jesus Christ. Come and trust him. He will take your sin away. He might not take away every single problem you have, but he will give you the strength to deal with the problem according to his word, his promise to bless and to protect. Maybe you already know Jesus. You're saved. You've come to faith in him. You walked with God for a little while, but sometimes you did one of two things. You started following a little bit different path or you just kind of stopped where you were. See, Abram teaches us something beautiful about obedience and and faith and and God's blessing. You you can't go with God and stay where you are. You, You can't walk with him and be still at the same time. Being still and knowing that he is God has nothing to do with a position of the body, but a position of the heart. To to let your heart rest in him is being still and knowing that he's God. But you're still moving forward in obedience to what he's called you to do. Maybe you're stuck right now because you know God called you to do something and you haven't done it. Maybe you're stuck right now because you felt the tug of God towards ministry, towards missions, towards teaching something, and you're stuck there. Maybe just in the last few weeks as we've talked about missionaries, as we We've had missionaries here with us and shared. You've thought, man, maybe I could do that sometime. The, the, the thought of maybe I could do that could be the start of the call of God in your life, placing the idea in your heart that this is what God has called me to do. This is who God has called me to be. But you're stuck where you are because you've not stepped in obedience. Man, you know Jesus, you know the blessing, but you have forgotten the obedience aspect of it. Maybe your marriage is struggling. Maybe you're struggling as a parent because you've seen what the word of God has said about who you're supposed to be, but you've not stepped in obedience. Today, today, before anything else, come to God in obedience. He will bless you. He promises he will bless you, but you've got to come to him.